Hello, folks, and welcome to Job Board Geek. We're the podcast about the business of connecting candidates and employers. I'm Jeff Dickey Chasens, the Job Board Doctor, and I'm here today with our co host and the person that we're actually going to be talking to for the rest of the podcast, Stephen Rothberg of College Recruiter. Hello, Stephen. How are you doing? I am doing well, and it's it's such an honor to be a buy one get one. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, it's Bogo Day on uh, the Job Board Geek podcast. <laughs> so, um, what could be better? Another 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 guest would be better. Yeah. Well, you know, this was this was the week where we didn't quite have the uh, cachet to bring someone else in. So we thought, well, let's just bring in Stephen instead. So because he's already here. And, but anyway, we're going to talk about programmatic, uh, which I think is something that is near and dear to Stephen's heart. It's certainly something that everyone is being touched by, even if you're not participating in it. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Stephen, I just wanted to chat a little bit about something that has really been an outcome of the pandemic over the last year and a half, which is remote work. You know, of course, remote work has been around forever. The job board doctor here has been being remote for over a decade, as are a number of people in our audience, as are you. And mm -hmm. um, the remote work sort of moved out to all sorts of different segments of people in the in the economy that have probably never done it because their employer wouldn't allow it or because it just wasn't something they had thought about. It's like some of the other things that I've seen happen in the labor market over the last 15, 20 years. This is going to be a change that that I don't think it's going to go away, but it's going to be a change that's unevenly distributed. I think, you know, we're already starting to see sort of the rubber band pop back for on the employer side. Uh, you know, I saw a survey the other day saying that something like only about 30% of employers plan to offer remote working as an ongoing option for their employees, mm -hmm. even though it was a much higher percentage that were taking advantage of it during the, the depth of the pandemic. And I suspect that what we're going to see is if you're highly skilled, um, highly valued in demand, or if you're high up in the organization, remote, remote work is going to be an easy thing for them to offer. But if you're what they consider to be um, lower skilled or not so high up in the organization, uh, maybe you don't get remote work as an option. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, you know, I, I I hear what you're saying, and I, I would put it a little bit of a different way. I think we're I think we're saying the same thing, but in different ways. Uh, to me, it's not so much about the skill level; it's about the kind of work that you do. Mm -hmm. And um, I definitely do agree with you that the seniority is is going to uh, is and and will continue to come into play. It's it's one thing for the CEO or executive suite to say that they are going to work remotely or that they're going to have a hybrid where they're maybe come into the office every Thursday. It's another mm -hmm. thing for the control freaks um, amongst them to say the same thing applies throughout their organization. One of the struggles that a lot of employers, really the managers within those companies have had over this last couple of years is the threat to their ability to control their workforce. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very futile in in my mind not futile like without hope but futile as in you know the the feudal system where basically people were slaves medieval right medieval yeah and i can understand why a manager who is not good at managing by outcomes wants to have his or her employees under their thumb because that's the only way that that manager knows how to get those people to be productive boy i tell you at 
at College Recruiter, we have been fully remote since 1997. We were remote in, in an era where we had to pretend that we weren't for years. If, if a customer vendor were to find out that we were fully remote back in 1997, they would not have taken us seriously. So there are organizations like ours and a lot of people within organizations that no longer have to pretend that they go to a quote unquote real office. People now understand that you can do real work and you can be a real vendor customer partner, even though your office is 12 feet from your bedroom. Yeah, you can be a real boy, you know, uh, after all these years. You so. <laughs> don't longer have to be Pinocchio. <laughs> right. Yeah. At least some of our audience, hopefully, will get that reference. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. We'll we'll see how it plays out over, over the long term. I can promise you that Job Board Doctor LLC will continue to be and always has been remote. And so with that, I'm going to move on to the real topic of uh, mm. this podcast, which is uh, programmatic. And I think uh, having you, Stephen, talk about this is really, is I think it's going to be really useful for our listeners because you've gone the whole journey. I mean, you've kind of gone from essentially having a very, I wouldn't say a very traditional, but a traditional job board mm-hmm. with, with a focus on duration-based uh, postings to where you are today, which is thing that's very, very much a pay-for performance. So just to get us started, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, some definitions. You know, what do we mean when we talk about a a pay-per-click model, for example? Sure, sure. So, you know, at at a very high level, um, way too many people, including a lot of people in, in our industry who sort of know better, will... They'll, they'll talk about programmatic, they'll talk about pay-per-click, they'll talk about performance-based uh, as if it's all the same thing, and, and it's not. So I think it's really good that that you and I, before we really even get into any details, are sort of differentiating between the terms. Pay-per-click, me, in my mind, there are two main differ- de- definitions of it. One is the definition that at College Recruiter that we use. The, what we use is the, I think, the most widely accepted industry standard. Um, so let me start with that one first. The click that the employer or other customer, advertising agency, job distributor, job board that might send you the job, but the click that we're talking about there is when the candidate sees the posting on your site and then clicks, maybe they click an apply button, they click on the job title, but they click to go over to the customer's site, to whatever URL, the web page address that that customer has provided to you. So for example, if we have a a hotel that advertises a job with us, the candidate sees the job on College Recruiter and they say, okay, this is a job that I'm interested in. They're inclined to apply, but they're not applying. They click our submit button or apply button, and then they go over to the hotel's career site typically their applicant tracking system. That's the click. They have not applied. They just percentage-wise probably won't apply. 90, 95% of clicks to employer websites do not turn into applications. Mm-hmm. We can differentiate that, uh, the click, from a cost per application model. And that is the candidate not only clicks, but they also apply. A lot of times those applications happen on the employer's website. Um, For the job board owners out there, you better be sure that the employer has good people that you can trust and that you have good, they have good systems 
that you can trust both um, because otherwise their systems might be really good and track those applications. But if the people are sleazeballs, they're going to under report to you the number of applications that you've generated. And that's theft. At the same time, sometimes we've had good people, but the systems are crap. The candidates have to self-identify their source, for example. In any case, if the candidate applies on the job board or if the candidate applies on the employer site, that would be a cost per application model. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, you know, the minute you said sleazeballs, a, a number of people I've worked with in the past came to mind. And I, I was just sort of <laughs> thinking, I mean, how common is this in the industry? Let's just limit it purely to pay-per-click. How common is it for a job board to be stuck in a situation where maybe some of the interactions are fraudulent or even just iffy? Uh, for us, it it's, it's so uncommon, I can't think of the last time it happened. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That said, if you're trusting an employer to do things like look through their web logs or sort of manually be running some kind of a report, that would be very concerning to me. The If you're dealing with one of the largest aggregators, you're likely safe um, because they are almost all in it for the long term. And they know that if they under-report clicks or applications to you, you're going to make less money. You're going to be less likely to continue to work with them. And so they're really losing money within months. It, it really is a very, very short-sighted thing. So we just, it's almost unheard of. If there's a reporting issue with a large aggregator, it's its almost always um, accidental or a technical problem. I would not trust the vast majority of direct employers that are using just like off the shelf technology, like their applicant tracking system to pull a report and say how many applications you're going to get. Uh, because those systems just weren't built for that, that the people aren't pro probably aren't going to be properly trained. The process they follow is probably way out of the norm for what they're usually doing in, in just trying to hire people. The technology isn't good. The biggest red flag to me when, when we're looking at a, a potential employer that wants to pay us on a performance basis, inevitably they come to us, they, they'll say, you know, we'll pay you per application or more commonly per hire. Mm -hmm. And it's thanks, but no thanks. Right. And because their systems are rarely fully automated, it's it's very rare where um, where an employer will just be able to like kick out a report that shows you exactly how many people applied, um, where the candidate does not have to self-identify. We have a blog article on our site about the problems with self-identification, where the candidate has to like get a drop down in the ATS and say how they heard about you. Um, right. And it was a study done a decade ago or something like that. Something like eighty three percent of candidates do not accurately identify themselves. So if it's at all manual, um, just run away. Right. That makes total sense. So talk to me about um, programmatic and how, yeah. what is programmatic and how does programmatic fit into this world of CPA, CPC, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So programmatic is often used in conjunction together with performance-based pricing, with cost per click, cost per application, maybe mm -hmm. you know, even cost per hire, but they're different. You can have programmatic without performance-based advertising. You can have performance-based advertising without programmatic. So example, uh, you're an employer and you have five job slots on, in, on LinkedIn. You 
could use programmatic technology to look at the jobs on your career site, on your ATS, to determine which jobs should go to LinkedIn and for what period of time. Send a, send a job to LinkedIn for up to 10 days or 50 applications, whichever comes first, and then automatically take down that job and send the next job. That would be programmatic without being performance-based. Programmatic at the end of the day just means that a human has kind of sat down and written rules that a computer can understand and has the computer making those rules. So rather than a recruiter or a talent acquisition coordinator or somebody on a daily basis, maybe even hourly deciding what jobs to run and where and for how long, they've input those rules in advance into software. So the software is making those decisions day by day, hour by hour. That's programmatic. An example of how you might be able to access programmatic and set up your own rules in terms of if you're running your job board and, and you want to take advantage of this, you might work with a company like AppCast, right? That has yes. essentially has built software that allows you to set up these rules and do the distribution and do the reporting. Yeah. Uh, so some of the ones that we work with, um, AppCast, which has um, different sides of their business, but part of it is is AppCast. They also have a product called ClickCast, which we use to send um, some of the jobs that are posted to our site to what we call publishers, which are sites that run, quote unquote, our jobs. They're not really our jobs, they're employers' jobs, but, but we send them out. And, and then we do a revenue share um, with those other job boards on, on that. Jovio, HandoLogic, Job Ad X. Um, those are all very commonly used programmatic platforms. And the vast majority of job boards that are working with them are going to pay what are called publishers, the sites that are generating the candidate traffic. They're going to pay them on usually a pay-per-click basis. Um, mm-hmm. Increasingly, it's cost per application. Like an increasing minority of, of the activity is cost per application. Okay, that's interesting. And and I will say, um, you know, I've been doing surveys of job board trends for over a decade now. And probably 2014 or so, I started asking questions about, are you going to offer, uh, as a job board, are you going to offer pay-per-click options to Mm -hmm. your employers? And then a few years ago, I started asking, you know, are you going to offer programmatic advertising options to your employers? And Mm -hmm. do you use programmatic to enhance response to jobs on your site? You know, the, the, the adoption rate, at least among the respondents, has um, gone up over the years. It's not a dramatic increase. Um, you know, when I go to uh, industry shows a number of years ago, people would be predicting, oh, 2020, 100% of the market will be programmatic. Yeah. You know, at least that's not what I've seen in, in terms <laughs> of job board self-reporting. I mean, perhaps it is somewhere but it doesn't seem to be on planet Earth at this point. <laughs> but it, it's definitely increasing. And, you know, depending on who you're talking to and how you look at it, you know, maybe 20% of the market at this point, maybe 25%. But there are, I will say, Stephen, one of the things I've seen is that there seem to be some differences of adoption rate, which isn't really surprising between sites in North America versus sites in uh, Europe versus sites in Southeast Asia. So mm-hmm. adoption rates in Southeast Asia are are strong. They're, they're, they haven't been around as long, but they the, the growth is strong. Adoption rates in uh, Europe, you know, my report said actually that it was a higher adoption rate than here in North America. We were talking about this early that that may have been a fault to my survey that maybe we needed to have more data. But, you know, all I can do is look at the survey and say, well, this year it says uh, 
you know, they're higher. So I think that's interesting, but I, it's, it's like a lot of what happens I've seen, you know, and that's why I've been interested about your take on, on what programmatic is and, the, and the, what it offers to job boards and to employers is because even though these technologies roll through, adoption rates always seem to drag because yeah. uh, I think employers, to a lesser degree, job boards are inherently conservative about adopting new technologies until they fully understand what they can do. I don't know. What's your two cents on that? I totally agree. I think if you were to ask a typical job board that says we're not using programmatic, if you were to ask them, Are you sending some or maybe even all of your jobs to another job board to help drive more traffic? To ZipRecruiter does a lot of that, for example. Mm -hmm. I bet most of those job boards that are telling you that they're not using programmatic would answer, yes, we are sending our jobs to ZipRecruiter. The answer to the programmatic question, therefore, is yes. Because even though the job board itself doesn't own the programmatic technology, ZipRecruiter is programmatically driving traffic to those jobs. And so if ZipRecruiter is your vendor and you're you're essentially outsourcing your programmatic job ad distribution to them, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that I think that there might be a bit of a disconnect that some people in the industry might think they're not doing programmatic they actually are. I see that when we talk to employers. If you talk to any, any Fortune 1000 company and ask them, are you using programmatic technology? Chances are they're going to say no. Right. And if you say to them, are you posting jobs to LinkedIn, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, College Recruiter, you know, just about any of the higher traffic job sites. And we're not, we're not in that group with those three, but we're certainly higher than a lot of others. Those same employers would probably say, oh yeah, sure. We absolutely send jobs to LinkedIn, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, et cetera. Those sites are programmatically driving traffic to you. So even though you don't own the technology, you are using programmatic technology. Right. It's sort of, it's, uh, I mean, this is a bad analogy, but it would be like uh, talking to someone who says, oh, you know, I, I don't like computers. I never use computers. And and you say, well, that's a new car you have. Do you, do you drive yeah. that car? And you say, yeah, well, you know what? You're using a computer. You know, yeah, I, I, you have a phone, you're using a computer. So it's, I, I, I totally hear that. Um, I guess the final question I wanted to ask you, uh, Stephen, on this, and I think it's something that probably comes up at some point for, for almost everyone is what is programmatic most effective at in terms mm. of the hiring, uh, you know, employers and job, job boards versus what is it least effective at? Oh, that's, that's a great question. So um, I guess that maybe a good way of answering this is what, what do you know? need for programmatic to work. Mm-hmm. One thing that, that's really necessary in order for programmatic to work is, and I'm thinking now about our audience, right? Very much global. Um, we don't have a huge number of listeners in Antarctica, um, but <laughs> otherwise we're, we're pretty well represented globally. We're, we're working on it. We're working on it. We're, yeah, yeah. They're just, um, it's summer there actually, isn't it? But the yeah. in order for a market, a region to have a good opportunity for a job board to, to succeed in programmatic, there has to be a fair number of job postings paying on a pay-per-click or paper application basis. 
Yes, you can do the programmatic where you're sending jobs to a LinkedIn through job slots, but there's just not that much of that. And if your job board is going to really go all in on programmatic, like like we did at College Recruiter, that's there's just not enough of that activity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to really kind of hang your hat on to, to to succeed there. So the market itself, the niche that you're in, whether it's Malaysia or whether it's Africa or whether it's sales executives or globally, whatever that market is, you've got to have a decent amount of it. It doesn't have to be most, but it has to be enough that if you capture your fair share of that market, that that's largely going to be cost per click or cost per application. Um, It has to be fragmented. If you're in one of those countries or in one of those niches where one or two job boards own the entire market, Mm -hmm. you know, or 90% of it, that's going to be pretty hard too, because it's unlikely that those job boards are going to sell on a programmatic cost per click basis because they'd rather sell a duration-based posting for $1,200 a month. They're just going to make more money that way. They're just, it's its a monopoly or monopolistic kind of a market. But if you're in a market where one job board has, say, 60%, and then you've got another 50 job boards that are sharing that remaining 40%, then that's fragmented enough that, that there's good opportunity there. And then the other one um, is debatable. Um, Chris Foreman of AppCast talks about a hook into the AP into the ATS. What I take away from what what he's saying, um, and he's definitely one of the most knowledgeable people in in this area, probably the most knowledgeable, is what he's talking about there is that you've got to have a way of figuring out which of the clicks, which of the candidates that you're sending to that other job board to that employer are quality. Mm-hmm. Quality typically means that that candidate has applied, maybe been interviewed, maybe even been hired. But if you just send a whole ton of traffic, you don't really know what traffic is good, what traffic is bad. Therefore, you have a hard time figuring out what to sell, what not to sell, what traffic you want to buy, what traffic you don't want to buy. The expression that we use within College Recruiter is that is that with programmatic, money chases quality. And, and what we mean by that is if our customers, whether they're other job boards buying traffic from us, whether they're employers, but if they perceive the candidates that we're sending to them as being of quality, they're applying, they're being interviewed, they're being hired, then they will send more money to us than than we can count. Um, and so that's the kind that's that's what what we really need to see in order for programmatic to, to work well. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me, very well said, uh, Stephen, I think that's a an interesting analysis of sort of the pros. And I'm not even sure I'd say the cons, the limitations of yeah. programmatic, which I think is it, which is sort of the way I look at a lot of these techniques that you have when you're thinking about how are you going to leverage response and make high quality response for, for your customers, for the employers, and also uh, make sure that you have a high quality uh, experience for the candidates. And that's, you know, basically you just want to find the tools that do that. It's not necessarily as a tool, good or bad. It's does it achieve your objectives? Well, listen, Stephen, I think that's about it for today. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and talk to you about programmatic or cost per click or CPA or anything else, how do they do that? Yeah, um, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn, um, linkedin.com slash IN slash Stephen Rothberg, S-T-E-V-E-N-R-O-T-H-B, B is in Bravo, E-R-G, um, or just shoot me an email, Stephen at college recruiter.com. It's been a pleasure, Jeff. Yes, likewise. Um, 
like I said, this was BOGO Day on the Job Board Geek uh, <laughs> podcast. You know, we get we got a co-host and a guest all in the same uh, human body. So I want to remind <laughs> everyone that they uh, can subscribe to Job Board Geek uh, via our RSS feed or Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Deezer, Pandora. There's just a whole lot of ways that you can keep this content coming to you. My name is Jeff Dickey Chasens. I'm the job board doctor. You've been listening to Job Board Geek, the podcast about connecting employers and candidates. This is it for today's show. So I'll be seeing you later. Have a great day. Bye. <laughs>